Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Titzaveh, which, according to the Chinuch, contains seven mitzvos, four positive, and three restrictions. And we also have the privilege of taking out a second Sefer Torah, for this Shabbos is Parshas Zohar, the Shabbos before Purim. Our rabbis instituted that we should fulfill the biblical commandment as found at the end of Parshas Kiseitzei, the end of chapter 25 in the fifth book of the Torah, the last three verses. The truth is, I'd be honored if you bring the Chumash to the table tonight and just review the three psukim so you know exactly what it means. Zohar the Torah tells us to remember that which Amalek did to you on the way when you left Egypt. Now the word remember one could very well take to mean just to have it in mind. However, the last two words are lo tishkach, don't forget. I don't need both to remember in the positive and lo tishkach to not to forget in the negative. Therefore, the rabbis tell us that lo tishkach, the last two words, refers to that which is going on in your heart and in your mind. Zohar, they understand to mean bapeh, that you are to articulate. And our rabbis tell us more than just articulate, it is to be done from a Sefer Torah, it is to be done in the presence of a minion. Let's go on to the second verse. Asherkorcha baderech. Rashi gives you three interpretations for that word korcha, which the first one is from the word mikra, he chanced upon you and he attacked you for no other reason but because you were God's chosen people. The second interpretation is that of carry or literally uh, impurity that he injected within you, the, the impurity of his culture. And finally, the third one is from kar. He cooled you off, meaning that after the splitting of the Red Sea, all the nations of the world were afraid of the Jewish people, having heard of God's deliverance at the Red Sea. And therefore, to what may be compared, says Rashi, to a scalding bathtub, that anybody who comes in would certainly get burnt. But the one who does, the fool, the scoundrel that goes in, cools it off for others, and that's exactly what he did. He paved the way for others to come and attack. So, who chanced upon you, and he attacked you from behind. And who did he attack? All the Necheshalim, all the weak ones, when you were weak and weary, and he, Amalek, did not fear God. If the Torah levies this challenge against him, it shows that he could have, should have, because, as we pointed out, the whole world was aware of God's miraculous deliverance and the splitting of the Red Sea. Therefore, the Torah says, it shall be, when God will give you rest from all your enemies about you in the land, which God has given to you as an inheritance, you are to blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens, and don't forget. Okay, so now let's a little bit about um, Purim, which is coming up this Saturday night and Sunday, and then a thought about Tetzaveh 
and Purim. Let's begin by saying that Tanis Esther was yesterday, and interestingly, the reason for that is because technically it could have, should have been today. The 14th of um, Adar is this coming Sunday. We can't fast on Shabbos, so they postponed it. They could have made the fast for today, but it shows us how important Erev Shabbos is, and the rabbis did not want to disturb our Erev Shabbos, therefore we fasted yesterday. Now, Emir Tzashem, please God, this coming Saturday night, there is a mitzvah this Saturday night to hear the Megillah. Let me just tell you, finally, forgive me one last thing about Pasha Zohar, and that is, there's a dispute among the authorities, according to the Chinuch, uh, women are exempt because they do not go to war. The Minchas Chinuch uh, seriously challenges the Chinuch, and therefore there are differences of opinion among the authorities, whether women are obligated. Women should make every effort to hear the reading of Parsha Zohar this Shabbos. Okay, as I was saying, let's get back to this Motsoi Shabbos. This Motsoi Shabbos, we have the reading of the Megillah. Now, let me just tell you that the reading of the Megillah, according to the Noda Yehuda, this Saturday night is rabbinic. This Sunday already, it's Midivrei Kabbalah, meaning from the prophets. And so, the answer is, hear it both times. Don't ask which is more important, because the other issue would be, if you can only hear one, which one should you go to? And that's a hard question, because... So you have a chance to do a mitzvah Saturday night, do it. You don't know what's going to be Sunday morning, however, or Sunday during the day. However, I can tell you Sunday during the day is on a higher level than Saturday night. Okay, now, everybody, meaning men, women, and children, the reason why women are included in this mitzvah, even though it's a time-bound positive mitzvah, which normally they are exempt therefrom, is because, says the Talmud in the Gemara, um, <clears throat> Megillah, Davdalit, Afhein Hoyubah they were part of the miracle, meaning that Haman wanted to destroy them, but the commentaries tell us more than that, that namely, women, in this case here, Esther, helped bring about the miracle. Interestingly, it's called Megillas Esther, and not Megillas Mordechai. Why? Listen to this. Mordechai says to Esther, go to the king, and you are to please ask him to save your people. So she has a one-liner, please save my people. You want to be more exact, please save the Jewish people. When she gets to the king, come on, she forgets her line. And what does she say? Uh, uh, maybe the king can, Haman can please come to my party. The second time, no, no, at the party, she forgets her line again. Why? Oh, no, she doesn't forget. Mordechai says, just go straight out. It's called Megillas Esther, because she had the wisdom, cunning of a woman, 
and knew exactly when the right time to strike would be, when the right time to request this of the king. And indeed, Balailahu, in that night that she was waiting for the next day, that night was the night the king couldn't sleep. And the rabbis tell us that the king does not only refer to Achashverosh, it refers to the king of kings. God couldn't sleep, and the rest, as we know, is history. So Esther gets the credit. She brought it about. Women are obligated in the mitzvos of Purim, just like men are. The only slight difference is women are obligated to hear the Megillah, men are obligated, quote, to uh, read the Megillah. More often than not, men are hearing it from others, and they hear the bracha, al-mikra Megillah. If a Megillah is being read just for a woman, it's being said the bracha lishmoah. Uh, regarding her hearing the Megillah. The law says that we have to hear every word of the Megillah, and therefore, when the Balkore reads the Megillah, we have to hear the word Haman. Some shuls repeat the Haman because children are making noise and don't stop them from making noise. They have to stop, so we should be able to hear the rest of the Megillah. But this is an ancient custom by all means. It's good for them, it's good for their souls, it's good for the shuls. Fortunate are the shuls that have children making noise during Haman. You see in front of your eyes, thank God, the continuity from one generation to the next generation. Okay, now, um, as we go on, the idea is that you have to hear every word of the Megillah. If you've not given the Maxis HaShekel yesterday at Mincha time, so you'll do it either if you're coming home Saturday night, before the Megillah, or else on Sunday you'll give that half shekel, or three half coins, as a zecher, a remembrance of Maxis HaShekel. Before the Megillah is read, three blessings are recited. One, Al-Mikra Megillah, which is the bracha over the mitzvah of reading the Megillah. The second bracha is She'asonisim, thanking God for the miracles. Now that's a very important point. The idea is that one could look at the Megillah and say, my goodness, one coincidence after another. But we know that there are no coincidences in these ten chapters of Megillah's Esther. It is the hand of God. And indeed, the Talmud asks, uh, where do you find Esther hinted at in the Torah? And the Talmud tells you in Chulin that we find where the Torah says, God says, I will surely conceal my face at that time. Meaning this is a time when there's no longer prophecy in Israel. And the idea is that we have to migilas ester, we have to reveal that which is hidden, namely we have to see God in the Megillah. And indeed, wherever it says HaMelech HaChashverosh, it refers to him. Wherever it says HaMelech, the king, it refers to both the king HaChashverosh, but more important with a capital K, the king of kings. Okay, finally, regarding the reading of the Megillah, there's the custom that the four Lashonos, the for Psukim of Geula of Redemption, Ishihudi, Umordachai Yotza, 
Ayhudim Hoisa Ora and Kimorachai Ayahudi, the last verse, these are recited aloud by the congregation and then repeated by the one reading the Megillah. Okay, now on Purim Day, there are four mitzvos of the Yom. One is Mishloach Manos. On the day of Purim, every man and woman is obligated to send at least to one person at least two different varieties of food that require no further preparation, ready to be eaten as opposed to frozen or that which is raw. Now, let me just tell you, it's certainly nice to send to your friends, but think about it. Your friends are going to be your friends whether you send them or not. Spread the goodwill. Those persons that you don't say good Shabbos to, for whatever the reason, those are the ones that you should be sending Mishloach Manos to. And the Rambam says very, very succinctly, if you have to make a choice between Mishloach Manos or the next mitzvah, Matonos Levyonim, gifts to the poor, now we're obligated on Purim Day to give money to at least two poor persons. How much? Ideally, enough to give them for a su'uda. Now, it doesn't have to be a su'uda at a very expensive restaurant, but figure you want to give them, let's say, a corned beef sandwich. So a corned beef sandwich, let's say, uh, French fries and a can of soda. We're talking about approximately $15. So ideally, you should give to two poor persons $15 each. If you can give more, by all means, do more. Now, the idea is, if you can't, then the money should be designated on Purim and given after Purim to the poor, or given at your shul, your gabai tzedakah, the rabbi would be happy and honored to dispense of these monies for you on Purim. The third mitzvah of the day after the reading of the Megillah for a total of four, but the third mitzvah is out of the Sudas Purim, to have a festive meal on Purim, and ideally it's to start during the day and certainly to continue by all means, into the night. But a good part of the meal should be during the day. And you should preferably wash and say Al-Hanisim in the Birkas HaMazon. Now, everybody is familiar with Chayev Inish that one is obligated to drink. This is so important that we get this right. Parents and hosts, make sure you have this very clear. By all means, supervise. And the youth, and especially teenagers, young adults, should not think that the primary day of Purim is, God forbid, to get drunk. No, not at all. We drink wine. And why wine? Because so much of the Purim story, Achashverosh gets drunk in chapter 1. And Esther brings about the Yeshua through a Mishdayayin. So, so much of the story takes place with wine. Therefore, we too, at Purim, drink wine. But it has to be done in such a way that when a person imbibes and has wine, he's still going to say, Baruch Mordechai and Arur Haman. If, God forbid, he's going to say other things, don't let them drink. It goes without saying that, God forbid, we would assist somebody that's going to be driving. We can't even say it. It's so outrageous. We have to be so careful. But still, 
for the dignity of your Suda. Purim is a Yom Tov, with to dress, as we'll see in a moment, with special attire for the day. Please be very prudent and be careful to make sure that it's not just an enjoyable, but that it is a safe Purim for all. <clears throat> now, one quick thought regarding the parsha and tying it in with Purim. Interestingly, if clothes do not make the man, they certainly reinforce the man. And so a policeman who puts on his uniform, consciously or not, is reminding himself of his uh, responsibility and commitment to others. And this is one of those we had at first, namely in this week's parasha, we're told that special garments were made for the Kohanim, the Kavod Ulisiferis, for honor and splendor. Now, what does that mean, honor and splendor? The way the Chinuch understands it in Mitzvah 99 is that it's honor for God and splendor for the base Hamigdash. However, I'd like to suggest that these garments bring out the honor and the splendor of the Kohanim. The Eben Ezra says, the Kavod Ulasif Eres, Sheyisporu Behem. And interestingly, the Gemara in Zavachim. Yud Zayin Amidbeis says very sharply, Bizman Shibigdeim Alehem, while they're wearing their special garments, Kunasam Alehem, then they're literally, their kuhuna is upon them, their responsibility and ability to serve is upon them. And without their garments, they're like a czar, like a non-Kohen, and their service would be invalidated. The same is true regarding Big Day Shabbos and Yom Tov. The Gemara in Shabbos, Kufyud Gimel, teaches that we are to wear different, better clothes on Shabbos. And if you can, say our rabbis, different, better clothes on Yom Tov. Now, regarding Purim, what do we find? Something very, very interesting. There's an old minhag to masquerade on costumes on Purim. We don't find this with any other holiday. What's the reason? So the Bnei Yisachar, in his Mamore Chodesh Adar, Mamar Tes, suggests the following reason. The Gemara in Megillah 12a teaches that the Jewish nation were guilty of the, God forbid, annihilation, because they bowed down to the image, the bust of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel. However, says the Talmud, they only sinned on the surface. They pretended, they feigned adherence to the idol, but their heart remained loyal to Hashem. So therefore Hashem acted midah keneged midah, a measure for a measure, and the threat of Haman to God forbid destroy the Jewish people was also only on the surface to get the people to do tshuva. But the main idea is that we should remind ourselves that the pnimios that which is inside the individual, this should have the domination over the chitsonios, over that which is the outer.
So Purim is the day of Anafochu, literally a topsy-turvy day. And what appears on the surface was not genuine. The Talmud, once again in Megillah 12a, teaches that King Achashverosh to celebrate that the Jews would not be rebuilding the temple, nor returning to their land, he put on the big day kahuna to mock the Jews, saying you wouldn't need these garments anymore. Now the Jew relives his past. We don't only remember it. It's not enough to remind ourselves that those who left Egypt ate matzah, we eat matzah. We remain awake all night of Shavuos, anxiously awaiting our receiving the Torah. And we reside in Sukkos. And therefore, it's thus most appropriate that we Listen carefully, masquerade on Purim, laughing at the next one, mocking the outer trappings and behavior of the individual, thereby reminding ourselves that the pnimios, the inner core, the commitment, namely the image of God and the true character, is what saved the Jewish nation at Purim and reminding us that that is to be our true perspective and identity all year long. Wishing Nachum and his family and all our listeners and friends a happy and safe Purim. Shabbat Shalom to all.